Thank you for listening to the show. I hope it inspires you and expands your view of what's possible in your journey of wealth creation. My hope is that through repeated exposure to the ideas and the guests you will find here, your view of finance will change for the better. With that said, there's an important caveat that must be stated. The opinions you will hear on this show are just that, opinions. Please don't misconstrue any of what you're about to hear as legitimate financial advice. Do your own research and don't take anything at face value. Understand that everything you hear on this show is someone else's experience that may or may not work for you. I don't know you, I don't know your situation, so I can't tell you what to do. But I can tell you that the one goal of this podcast is to make you richer, wealthier, and ultimately more fulfilled as a human. I'm glad you're here. Please rate it, review it, share it with the people in your world that matter. And without further ado, enjoy the show. Numero dos. Hey, give me a quick, um, Noah, love what you're doing. Love the sunglasses and the, the hat and everything. Um, give me a quick rating, if you will, so I can dial. I love to dial while I'm training. 10 is like, this is everything I needed. Uh, one is like, yo, you're a failure of a teacher. And then five or six would be like, it's pretty good, but I could also do other things. Give me a little bit of a rating and I'll either dial up or dial down accordingly. Chris Parsons says a 10, Beagle 10, Sierra, Larissa, Patrick also say eight, Khan seven, Luke eight, Caleb eight, lots of eights, some sixes, some sevens, a couple tens, 8.69 from David. We got the five judge compilation right there. Dar says a 10-ish. 11, turning it up to 11 is Mike Cote. Love it. Love it. Okay, cool. Um, bear with me on my handwriting here. This is just to help you uh, visually place what we're about to talk about. Um, don't worry about if you don't know what those words are. I'm going to tell you what the words are. It's all going to be okay. Trust me, I've done this before. It's not my first rodeo. Just hang with me. Um, I'm going to walk you through this because it's a framework. Somebody say framework and throw it in the chat, please. To see if everybody's still awake. Did you get caffeine or did you not? Is really the test right now. I love, love frameworks. Frameworks simplify the world around you. And if you have a good framework, you can blitz through problems that would make, that would take other people like three days to figure out. So this is a framework for setting up goals in the hierarchy. Bijo, I told you not to read it. And you're, what is she doing? She's like in there reading it right now. She's trying to figure out what the words mean. And we're going to go into a mind map. Do I have anybody who enjoys mind maps? Like all of the creative flow are going to, y'all love mind maps. We're going to build some things out mind map. And then we're going to go to Notion, the greatest app in the history of all time. And then we'll talk about that. Okay. Are you ready? Follow my voice. Okay. So ready. Um, okay, let's talk about outcomes versus milestones versus assignments. Outcomes, milestones, and assignments. If you studied Google, or if you studied like, you know, Google took this and Amazon has their own version of it. And what you get into is this, this topic called OKRs. Anybody know what an OKR is? Great. Um, objectives and key results. Well, I think that objectives and key results is fine. But the problem that I have with it is KR, key results, is one. It's one category, but it's two words. And I'm a little OCD, and I don't like that. So you can't have objective be one word and key results be two words, but they're about the same. It doesn't work. So we're going to change everything. Outcomes, milestones, and assignments. Now, this is taking the, uh, like, 
hierarchy of needs and flipping it upside down. The most important part of us starting our 2022 or next year, 2023 or whenever, is sitting down and developing outcomes. Outcomes. What is an outcome? An outcome is this big, big rock. And it can be a little bit ethereal. It doesn't have to be quantifiable. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a smart goal. Here's one of my outcomes. I'll give it to you. Have fun every single day. That's one of my outcomes. Well, there's no constraints on that. It's not like um, a mathematical equation. Outcomes don't necessarily have to have everything inherently written in them. They don't have to be as specific as what you're taught. They just need to be things that you want as outcomes for your life. Everybody make sense on this? You get it? And then next down, we have milestones. Now, a milestone, you want to reverse engineer your milestones so that if you achieve your milestones, it is impossible not to achieve your outcome. And picture this. We have a lot of real estate in Charlotte. And I go out to Charlotte quite often. It's a great city, Queen City. North Carolina is growing like crazy. And if I get in the car and I start driving, and I put it in my maps, and I hit all of the milestones along the way, how many of you know it's impossible for me not to be in Charlotte? Because I hit all of the milestones. You want to design your life the same way. If you have an outcome, let's say that outcome is to make $8 million. Personal take-home. What are the milestones that must happen so we can fractionalize that outcome and make it impossible not to hit? You with me so far? Sarah, you have a question? Go for it. Yes. Yes. Um, so whenever you're setting these whenever you're setting these outcomes and you're going to set the milestones, um, one of the things that I used to do in the past was I used to set milestones based on what I knew now. Do you just make the idea of the milestone of like, I have to have X amount of business versus saying like traffic and funnels has to make this X amount of money? Like, what do you do for those milestones? Like, do you leave your options open to say like, if I want to make 8 million this next year, then I can bring, I can bring in like these businesses have to bring in this much each month yep. versus no, no options are left open. I reverse engineer all of them to hit the outcome. Now with outcomes, I think outcomes are a little different because there are, if you look at the growth of, of normalization, let's say you start right here and you want to end right here because this represents uh, a 20% growth. What happens if you grow here by mid year? Well, you're going to want to bump this up to right here, right? So when people set outcomes, one of the things they fail to do is they don't take into consideration this gap that really comes from their growth curve. And so as you grow, your, your view of what's possible grows with it. And so what I like to do is I'd like to take my, my outcomes and I'd like to add a little bit to it so it's exciting and it's fresh, a little bit spicy, a little bit of fun. Nobody, most people don't get excited about like, I made $2 million this year. Someone made $2 million next year. It's not very exciting. And that doesn't mean that you can't repeat an income. Um, if you, you hear what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you if you don't grow. But most people don't get excited about a plateaued growth. So usually you bump up what you think is possible. 
and you leave that open. But your milestones, I reverse engineer them at a fixed basis. Great question. Anybody else have questions so far before we move on? Yeah, Charles got got one. And forgive me if I'm butchering your name, but what are the milestones that must happen to fractionalize your outcomes and make it impossible not to hit? Um, that's a question for me. Like my some my outcomes. Apparently, no. I don't know what. If you want me to take you through my outcomes, I'll do that. Oh, it's just a takeaway. Takeaway. Got it. It's all right, Greg. We love you anyways. All right, assignments. <laughs> assignments are the bottom level and assignments are in place so that you can stack up all of the different task loads that are necessary to hit your milestones. Pretty basic, pretty self-explanatory. When we get into Notion and we start going through how everything works, you don't want to have a milestone on your list that is not attached to an outcome. Don't put a milestone on your list that doesn't attach back up to an outcome. It's a waste of time. No ancillary milestones. Make sense? However, it is perfectly fine to have assignments that are on your list that don't lead back up to milestones. Why? I got you all good. I got you all trapped. Yeah, it's just, Gabriel Ryan says, it's just shit you have to do. So there's assignments that are going to pop up, especially if you're in like a fast-paced environment or you're a leader. It's just like fires have to be put out. But fires aren't necessarily in alignment with milestones. You want to make sure your big blocks are in alignment, but give yourself room week to week, month to month to have things on your task list that don't necessarily flow into your overarching big achievement thesis, okay? Everybody with me? We're not going to talk as much about buffers today unless you have questions about buffers and then we'll talk about it. It's kind of how we're rolling right now. So let's, let's go through a quick example on this. Somebody give me an outcome. 2022. 1 million for the year with 50% being from MRR. 1 million. Revenue? Uh, yeah, collected revenue. Okay. And this is the big outcome. If I were you, what I would do is I would turn this personally into a milestone and I would put something bigger on top of it. So you want an example of that? Let's say an outcome would be, y'all are in Franklin now. Do you like your house? You want to stay there forever? You want to build a new no, one? No, I don't like the house. I'm lying. You want, to build a, you want to build a new one? Yeah. Okay. Let's say you want to build a new house. That could be an outcome. And then another outcome could be, I want to earn $2 million personally. Another outcome could be, I want to take six trips to Bora Bora, you know, whatever you want. Because this right here is really a milestone to me 
that feeds up into some sort of outcome. What's the point of hitting a million dollars? What's the point of that? Ew, gross. This is a business, you know? But if the, if the outcome is, I'm going to build a new house on a plot of land for my family, well, you need a million dollars. That's what you need. And so you would reverse engineer, this would be a milestone. And then we take assignments or we take other miles. You can float this around however you want to do it. And when we get into my notion, we'll see. I've got some that are a really big ethereal, big picture. And then I've got others like I want to make a certain amount of money. And so traffic and funnels is a milestone inside that. And then underneath that traffic and funnels, we have different assignments. But keep in mind, this isn't OKRs. This is an outcome milestone assignments. And the reason is because OKRs are for your business. And this is for your life. And so we don't necessarily need to go into each lane and say, well, how many products do you need to be, you know, how, how many sales applications do you need to have? We don't have to get that far into the weeds. You're going to have a different set of OKRs for business and a set of outcomes, milestones, and assignments for your life. Track it with me. Miles says, Milestone. Rosalyn says, tracking. Gabriel says, good stuff. Love that distinction. Hey, Taylor, I have a quick question for you. Go for it. So I kind of missed the assignments. I was taking notes on outcomes, milestones, and I've got those on assignments. Tell me how that relates as well, because I think I'm probably lost in the weeds and assignments most of the time. Yeah, assignments are going to be the things that you have to get done. Um, okay. they, they set up underneath like, what what can let's let's take a milestone and let's reduce it to its most basic forms. So with Sierra's example, a milestone is to do a million in revenue for her business. An assignment mm -hmm. for her might be uh, to hire a sales coordinator or a sales yeah. leader or to hire a marketing person. And that's in her task list. But she she might also have an assignment to create seven new products for the year. Got it. Okay. Um, your assignments are stored in a to-do list. Your outcomes and milestones are stored in your planner. Got it. Okay. I figured as much. Just wanted to make sure I didn't hear it wrong. I'm a constantly too many to-do lists pulled in different directions. Go Can you repeat where you said you stored them? Uh, a to-do list. Instead of a planner. Outcomes and milestones go in the planner. Assignments go in the to-do list. All right. We good to keep rolling? Hey, Taylor, I had a question about um, sort of related to that. Uh, when I was working in this company for my last job, um, I always was really curious um, how much um, time my team spent on reacting versus planning and proactivity. and just like for no particular reason, I, I wanted to always make sure that they were spending no more than 20% of their time doing reactionary stuff because if it was more than that, there was problems with our overall operational, you know, I, that was an indicator for me that I needed to do better planning around team management and capacity and whatnot. So just like relating that to uh more of this context, do you have a way that you think about that? Are you ever thinking in reactivity versus proactivity and just like 
big picture time spent as something you track. Um, because I notice that sometimes I feel like the things I have to do, those assignments, you know, sometimes you feel like it weighs on you, right? They feel overwhelming. It's like, man, I keep getting sidelined by these like things that I'm reacting to that keep coming up versus staying on track with the stuff that I've planned and, uh, and implementing. So just curious if you have a like big picture uh, concept around that and are you, know, are you thinking about that? Are you, are you making notes about that? Um, as I, I, just, I just used the productivity tool that I invented, the productivity pack thing. Um, I don't even know what it's called anymore. It might, it's probably still called the productivity pack. I just think they've, they may have changed the name or deliverables. That's what it's um, called. <laughs> do you want to like... Oh, we don't have to go just, into it. I'll, I'll revisit it. Thanks. That's good. I mean, it, it's, still, it's still for me and my personality... I'm a creator. And so like, and, and sometimes I'll literally walk outside and see something and be like, that applies to business and I have to write it down. So it's, it's, my head is always in that vein. So there are certain people on this call even, I was talking with Greg Hickman about this in the mountains and he's got like a beautiful motion thing and like how he does his, his stuff. For me, I have to write stuff down. I have to. Um, if I don't write it down, I feel out of control. So I'm rebelling a little bit against like the technological era of like doing apps and to-do lists. I write my stuff down, I cross it off when I'm done and we just roll. And it's, it's easy to get distracted if you're keeping your to-do list in an iPad, which has Facebook notifications, you're getting a text message. Uh, but if you have a notebook or remarkable or something, no text messages coming through. It is you in the paper. That's kind of how I do it. <clears throat> cool. Yeah, I, I have that same sort of like analog to-do list that I keep tracking. But like I said, sometimes it feels like, man, uh, more of this is reactive. I didn't make as much progress on my like, you know, milestone items. Uh, well, you know why it's reactive is because you're not actually getting clarity on the outcomes and milestones. So if, if I have more clarity on my outcomes, I'm going to have a better, more robust, better constructed set of milestones. And if I have a better constructed set of milestones, then my assignments are going to be more in alignment. And everything flows from that top to bottom. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. Thanks. Um, this tool right here is called uh, Mind Node. Mind node, it can get quite crazy, but for like your creative types of people, um, mind mapping is just the best ever. It's like one of the funnest things to do. And so we can take our outcomes and we can work our outcomes into a list. And then we work the milestones around the outcomes and then the assignments or whatever needs to happen around the milestones and then we can draw connections. So this is the first way to do this. The other way to do this is to take the areas of your life that are important to you. If you have several businesses or several projects, I, I found this thing happened when it was around 2019. We, we went from one business to two businesses. And then we went from two businesses to three businesses. And then we went from three to four and I just exploded. Like couldn't keep anything straight. Um, and I'm talking like, you know, very, very, very intense feelings of anxiety because 
I don't know what to do anymore. There's too much going on. I can't keep anything straight. And even today, there are times I'm like, I just, you know, I've got to get organized. I was telling our CMO, it's like, man, I want to talk to you right now. I really do. I would love to talk to you. Uh, but I don't think I can make sense of marketing right now. I can't. I don't understand it. He's like, what are you talking about? It's like, well, I'm, we just came back from a counter offer on a development project and it's like mezzanine debt. And it's like, I don't know how to talk about cost of, like cost of impressions. Sometimes I feel my brain getting thrown around from different topics. And one of the best things that you can do when that's happening is sit down and like make a list or make a mind map. Okay. So you can use this to come in outcome, milestone, and then miscellaneous. I'll show you mine real fast. And it will, um, my, it, when I pull this up, it's going to give you just a, a <clears throat> almost overwhelming sense of what I'm talking about. Um, and you can see how I use my mind map. And I think you're really going to like it. And then we're going to dive into Notion. So check this out. This is Taylor. This is my life. This is everything I've got going. And inside of this, I've got special projects, EW companies, asset companies, levels of wealth. I have um, personal rolling funds, crypto. I mean, if you feel like, raise your hand if you feel like you have a lot of ideas and you don't necessarily feel like you have enough time to get them done. Amazing. So kindred spirits. What, what this really allows you to do is you don't have to sacrifice your ideas for the sake of like expediency or productivity. You can just take this, print it out, and you can highlight certain areas of focus for certain seasons. Um, if you've ever, if you followed me for a while and you've ever seen me just like pop up somewhere, it's like I'm really invested in a certain Facebook group or you see me like really get on some certain track or talk about certain things, None of it's random. All of it is coming from a mind map where a plan is like, this is what I'm going to focus on for the next two to three months. It's by design. And so as I go through life, I will sit down on a Saturday morning and I will begin to add things in here that are from a notebook. They're ideas that I've had. And they're special projects and special things that interest me. The thing that I want to, to point out is... I try to make sure that if there's energy going into stuff up here, like special projects, that I can, I can barter some of it to get a lift down here. Because a lot of things that, we're, that you want to put your time into or build, are, they have relationships in the middle. If I'm losing everybody, let me know. We'll just bring it back down to earth. But like, if I'm going to go out and build a, a new podcast agency then there are systems inside of that podcast agency that can be leveraged and moved down into traffic and funnels. If I'm going to build levels of wealth, well, then there are systems inside of levels of wealth that I can go move into market movers. When you have it organized, you're able to think cross-platform and cross-project in multiple areas of your life. When it's not organized, what you do is you create silos. And one area of your life or business becomes a silo and you don't get lift from it, okay? This is one of those things. It's like, y'all, I will teach you everything I know, but this is something that's like, you got to pull it out of me a little bit because I'm not exactly sure how it codifies down. But I can tell you this. My staff can tell you this. Like, when I get going in a certain area, it's just lightning. 
And then everyone, we just take the, the heat and the energy from that and we try to move it into another area. But a lot of it is by design. This quarter, I'm going to focus on this. Next quarter, I'm going to focus on that. Any questions, Greg, before we move on? Yeah, we've got a couple here. Um, one from Daniel, which is, how do you do this for your personal life outcomes? And I see you've got some there. Um, but if you could talk to that a little bit. Personal, like um, a house or family or, or what, are we, what are we talking about? Yeah, let's say, let's assume for a minute that we're talking about, let's say a personal outcome like buying a house. Um, well, I had one on uh, my mind map a year ago. And then we built the house. And so I turned it off. I think it's a little bit easier. To me, personal is a little bit easier. It's not quite as difficult. Um, I do try to build systems inside of our personal life. So I don't just want to have a good relationship with my daughter. I want a system so that I can have a good relationship with Kate. And so we get donuts every Saturday morning. And I make sure I put her to bed every Friday night. And if we get extra, that's just gravy. It's fun. But at the very least, we're getting donuts on Saturday morning. It's in the calendar. It's every week. It is a repeatable system. So with personal life, I think it's important that whatever outcomes you want, you can backfill all of the decisions so that they become habitual and you don't necessarily have to make the decision over and over. It's, it. not on my, it's not on my mind that because it's not that complicated. Yep. I hear you. Sierra asks, how do you measure the length of seasons? Um, well, I think it depends on the season. I don't think I'm exactly perfect at it. Um, sometimes it's just arbitrary. Sometimes it's based on intuition. Sometimes it's based on what I do and don't want. Um, I can tell you I can give you examples and stories and maybe we can codify from there. Um, with single family real estate, I want 2,000 houses. Where did I get 2,000 houses? I just made it up one day. But that has become part of my, it's in my blood. I want 2,000 houses. Why? Because I freaking want that. I want that. It's what I want. And now I know the cash flow that's coming from those 2,000 houses. And I reverse engineered the math so much that it's, it's become a plan. But it started with just me making up a number and picking it. I would like to have a billion dollar net worth by the time I'm 40. Why a billion? I don't know. It doesn't mean anything. It means nothing. There's nothing I can do in a billion dollar net worth that I can't do in a hundred million net worth. But it's become a game. And so I think it partly depends on personality type as well. Are you motivated by games? Or are you motivated by safety? Are you motivated by routine and regulation? And figuring out what gets you really excited. Same thing with, um, with the CEO story I told you. My, my exit date is February 15th. I know that I can flip a team in about 90 days from experience. I can get a, a brand new team installed, up and running, and beginning to be productive in 90 days. Okay? So if you take December, and you, when I took it, it was like the end of November, and you roll it into February 15th, it's about 90 days. So that would be like an experience intuition thing. What am I going to do if I get to February 15th? 
and I'm not at my goals of exiting. Gabriel says adjust. Charles says tweak. Yeah. How about another 30 days? Oh, boom. Now it's March, now it's March 15th. You know, what if I can get to the end of January though, we're not at February 15th. I can usually see that it's not going to be February 15th and I'll adjust then. So you don't have to be fixed and you don't have to be super intense on it. If you've got routine checkpoints, Brad Hart says, ideally you're adjusting each day. 100%. Um, Maybe even weekly, daily is, Brad's a crypto guy, so he, he has to adjust daily on everything because everything changes hourly. Um, but, you know, like it depends on how big your team is and where you're at. You know, sometimes daily is too much. Weekly is a better cadence. It depends on where you're at and what you're trying to achieve. Mike Cote asks, how often are you revisiting this mind map? Usually every two to three weeks. My morning formula is every day. The mind map is every couple of weeks. And I try to get I try to get a full like four or five hours once a month to spend some time reviewing and then plan the next month so that I know I'm on track. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, Brad also asked, hey, how do you think about a larger quarterly goal in business? Are you standing up a business then handing it off? Do you remove yourself after that startup sprint? If I can, yeah. If I can, yeah. Like the best outcome for me is always to take an idea, roll it to market, backfill the team, and then I'm letting them grow it. Um, I've done that in the past successfully, and then I've handed it off, and then it wasn't the right team. So to, to Brad's point of like reviewing daily, you know, you can tell usually whether somebody's going to make it or not. And we rate people on a scale of one to 10 in like five key areas. So there's attitude, communication, skill set, experience, and likelihood of success. On a scale of one to 10, if their average is below seven, it doesn't matter if we like them. It doesn't matter if they're family. It doesn't matter if, it doesn't matter. Anybody below a seven, is a vortex that will suck the level of everyone else around them down to a seven. And so we've made it very data-driven for our team. Because to be honest, the biggest mistakes we've ever made with people were this person's a four, but we believe in them. That's huge. That's huge. Patrick asks, can you expand on what you mean by disorganization leading to silos? Yeah. Um, if you have a lot of different areas in your life that you're passionate about that are disconnected, which if you're successful long term, you're gonna have you're gonna have interests that pop up that aren't necessarily connected like linearly to other areas, then you'll waste innovation because you'll innovate in one area or one project, but it won't be linked or transferred to another area. So having all of the different areas of your life on paper, all of the different projects that you're passionate about on paper, everything is interconnected. It will allow you to take any juice you have for one thing and arbitrage it into innovation for another thing. Huge. Huge. I'm going to hop in real quick. I got a, a question for you. Like As you're thinking about 
these kind of different outcomes, you know, priorities, it sounds to me like you've got almost like a sequential order at any given point in time where like, hey, this is top outcome and I'm like above all else. And then you're kind of reshuffling the deck. Am I, am I kind of hearing you correctly on that? Like, do you have a sequential priority list of your outcomes or are they kind of all on the map that you could pull from at any given point in time? You're muted. Hey, you're muted. Hey, can you hear me? Yep. You mean actual outcomes, like the things at the very top, or do you mean all of the milestones and everything included? No, yeah, more at the outcome level. I guess I'm curious if like... I'm, I'm curious how many outcomes you have. And if you have like, hey, this is... Like having fun every day is the most important thing, no matter what. And then second is this. And then third is this. Okay, let's go dive in. Let me just share with you my screen and we'll go in. Sound good? Epic. That's a good question, but we'll, we'll probably cover that in the next section. Greg, anything else that's specifically tied to the previous section? Uh, yeah, we've got Khan with one that says, how do you find balance between big outcomes that are exciting, but not too overwhelming? Not too overwhelming. If it's exciting, the likelihood of it being overwhelming is a little bit mitigated. Yeah, think? yeah. Maybe I can elaborate a little bit. Sorry. Okay. Um, yeah. Sometimes the pro problem I had in the past is I had goals that were either like really big and exciting, um, and some of them were too big, and and then I was like, well, um, uh, in the middle of the the, the year, I, I see that I cannot reach it, and then uh, it's a little bit um, uh, demotivating. So. And sometimes I had goals that were not big enough and I would uh, I was not um, uh, pumped up to, to reach them. So how do you find the balance between those? Um, I'm not a fan of balance. I don't care about that. Uh, if I'm excited about it, hell yeah, let's go. I'll jump off the bridge to do anything I, I care about. Um, if I'm not excited about it, then it's going to seem overwhelming immediately. So I don't really think that those two things are as correlated as you think they are. If you're in August and it's becoming apparent that you're not going to hit an outcome. Okay. So what? What's your relationship with that outcome? That would be a relationship issue with the outcome where there's some sort of identity that you're siphoning off of from achieving the outcome. Well, that's not necessarily healthy either. Right? So I think you have two options. One, you move the deadline. That's the easiest option. Oh, it's August. It's apparent that I did not have enough clarity when I set this outcome for 2022. So let's just bump this to March of 2023. Okay, no worries. No harm, no foul. Or you have the other option to say, look, I goofed up and I misprioritized the first half of my year. So I'm going to flex a little bit and I'm going to try my best to push this through by the end of the year. You'd be amazed at what a human being can accomplish when it's their sole focus to accomplish it. All right, this is a great training for everybody probably on this topic. If you guys are cool with me going off on this. I'm coming off of a fresh training on this with one of our sales teams. And, and they think that before this training, they're like, they think that they need like 90,000 leads a day and all this stupid shit to hit their goals. Greg's smiling because he used to sell for me. It's like, no, you don't. You're lazy. 
listen to this. Like, you can achieve anything that you wanted to achieve. The question is, should you? Not can you? Uh, Con, you can do anything. Like, literally anything. But, at what point does achieving something become a pirate victory? Where you achieved it, but the cost to achieve it made it not worthwhile to achieve. That is where you should put your focus. If anything on my list becomes pyrrhic in nature, where it's like, for me to do this by this deadline would require so much sacrifice that I would have nothing to show for it except for this deadline, then it, and then it gets moved. The question is never, can I? The question is always, should I? So that's a really good like word swap there for you. Cool. All right. You guys want me to take you through this notion thing? Uh, yes, but um, I also noticed in the comments that Beagle was asking about sprints and somebody else was asking about sprints. Yes. I have her question saved if you want me to read oh, it. I'm, I'm here, Sierra. I had like okay, cool. furniture getting delivered and so I kept like being gone. Um, so Taylor, this was on topic like a couple minutes ago, but one of the things you're talking about is like you get all into things and then you disappear. And so I've heard it called sprints. And uh -huh. so I would like to know what, you know, what is a sprint? How long is it? What magic happens in there? So I can hit all my milestones and outcomes and lovely things. Yeah, a sprint for me is just a start point and an end point where I'm going to, it's, the way we used to train it is push-pull. So you may have seen that. So we'll segment weeks. I'll segment weeks based on push week and pull week. Um, and then I'll put in uh, deloads in the middle of that. We call those lag, lag mornings. So for a person to sprint all the time is usually not feasible. They'll burn out mentally. But a person can sprint for seven days and not skip a beat as long as you have an endpoint. So you're not going to get a mathematical equation here. The best way to do it is to train your body and train your mind to go in rhythm. So if you've never done a sprint week before, what you should do right now is go play in January and have push week, pull week, push week, and just alternate binary back and forth. Go ahead. Um, that sounds awesome. I probably have, and I've never codified it. But the question is, do you take your team with you? Like, so when I hear, oh, I'm in sprint week, I don't imagine you doing it alone. So like, are your key team members who are part of this like infrastructure of like what your outcome, are they all with you doing the sprint? Or is this like you in your mind by yourself? Uh, it's me by myself, but the people closest to me don't have a choice. Like, like Lindsay, your wife, or do you mean like Lindsay and Gabriel and like some key people? Like Gar Greg knows if I'm in a sprint, Gabriel knows, Tommy knows if I'm in a sprint, but I don't tell them I'm in a sprint. They just are getting messages at nine o'clock at night. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. I thought it was like a team, like, oh, I get my team together and we all do a sprint for like two days, three days, focused on what this outcome is. And so I thought it was related to that framework. You can, but that would require you to go all in on that. Like you would have to... Um, You'd have to build a scrum type productivity onboarding for your team. And sometimes that's great. For us, we don't really do that. 
Each okay. team has their own sort of culture. And so they do their own, like sales sprints all the time. They're never not sprinting. So I don't do a push pull with them because they'd be like confused. Like I'm trying to limit the amount of money they can make because I, w- I don't want them to work on a Friday night. It's just, it's a different culture. So because we have the different culture between teams and we have different culture between the same team, but different companies, it doesn't work. I didn't think it would work for us to do that. Got it. Cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Taylor, we got a uh, few people asking for a brief breakdown of push-pull weeks and sprints. If you could just give a 10,000-foot view explanation. Uh, yeah. Uh, a sprint push week is when you are pulling a heavy load. You have a lot that has to be done. You have a lot that has to be created or produced. And then a pull week is you're working, but you're not necessarily working around the clock. And your creativity can breathe a little bit. Um, if you try to create and produce all the time, nonstop, you know, it might be fine if you have one project, but you guys saw the mind map for me. Like I can't create for all of those things at the same time, all the time. I think I would probably die. So you have to set rhythm inside of your schedule. It's, it's following the, the ways of nature. You have a circadian rhythm. You should have a production rhythm. You should have rhythm inside and built into all of the things in your life that matter. And so the easiest way to describe it is you go one week on, one week off, one week on, one week off, not taking off of work. But you're not like working 60 hours either. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Uh, Daniel asks, how do you factor in buffers in case anything unexpected happens? You just put them in your calendar. That's it. That's the easiest way to do it. 